Good morning, Creekside Church. Hey, I like the energy this morning. For those of you who have not been here before, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Mark is enjoying probably not this weather, uh, but he's uh, down in Cal Poly right now, San Luis Obispo, that's the word right there, and just enjoying a good vacation. But right now, we have a Sunday that is in between sermons. So we just finished with our uh, mission, our family on mission series, and we're about to enter into a worship series. But Mark gave me free reign to talk about whatever I wanted to on this Sunday. So prepare yourselves. <laughs> a little history about me. I graduated from Sac State with a bachelor's in philosophy, which means I didn't graduate with much, but I graduated with loving to think. And I love the process of just sitting and processing life. And so I want to invite you guys into that this morning. So if you guys can just take a quick second, close your eyes, take a deep breath, take another deep breath. And what I want you to think about is the last two years. All the craziness that has happened from 2019 to right now. Open your eyes. I think we can all agree on some level that these last two years have been crazy to live through. We've seen a global pandemic shut down everything from schools to churches to small businesses. We've seen mandates come out, whether you agree with them or not, we've seen them come out. We've seen deaths happen. We've seen transitions happen. We've seen plans that we had for this great year, 2020, ah, welcoming it in, be crashed and burned. And yet, even when the world around us was slowing down, we somehow found a way to keep ourselves busy. Literally, the world shut down around us, and somehow we continued to fill our schedules as if it didn't. Even being home, we were like, okay, let's do this, 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 and this. Let's get this project done. Let's go do this, blah, 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 blah. We refused to slow down. And maybe it was a coping technique. Maybe it was our way of trying to control a little segment of our lives and what was going on. But to me, it seemed like each year and each month, each week and each day, something happened to cause busyness, anxiety, stress, and unrest. And the truth is that no matter what stage of life you are at, life continues to be and still is busy. I know for me, when I look back at the beginning of 2019, I see a kid just super ambitious. Heidi and I were part of a church plant. We were planning to start our family. I was like ready to go, everything in all cylinders. I was like, man, I'm getting my schedule down. I could start climbing again. I could start running and training. And then now in 2021, I look back at that and I see in 2020 someone who was crushed by reality. 2019 started out by one of my grandpas dying and me having to have some thumb surgery, which means I was done with climbing for a while. 
Then in 2019, at our small church plant, we had the head pastor, our worship pastor, and the children's pastor all step down. And somebody who had only been in church ministry for a year had to take the lead of the church. Then right after that, my other grandpa died. And COVID hit, which made us drastically try to change our plans and figure out what was going on. And then another tragedy hit us. Heidi and I had a miscarriage. And yet, with all these things going on, I still filled my schedule because if I could just fill my schedule and if I could just control one segment of my life, maybe I could get a hold of everything else. But the truth was, I couldn't control any of it. And in our culture, we do this constantly. We see the world shut down, and yet we continue to fill our homes, our schedules, and our lives with more and more and more, thinking that by filling things, we would find rest, but that rest is so far away from us. Instead, we aren't dealing with our pain, we aren't dealing with our suffering, and we aren't dealing with our mourning. Instead, what we are doing is creating a system of unhealth that we're going to pass on to the next generation. And this unhealth leads to us being mentally, physically, and spiritually drained. And I know that some of you don't want to admit it, and that's okay. It's difficult to deal with our pain. And over the last couple of years, there's one thing that I've learned. That no matter what life throws at you, all you can control is how you respond. In times of chaos, shutdowns, and everything else, all you can do is control how you slow down and sit before the God of peace and love. So Creekside Church, I'm going to talk about a subject that not a lot of people like to talk about, especially in our culture. But we are going to talk about seeking rest today. So as we head into this sermon... I know every single one of us in this room could have some form of rest in our lives. So let's pray that our hearts, minds, and bodies will be ready for what I've prepared for you guys today. God, as we enter into this sermon, I pray that your truth would jump off these pages, off the scripture that I share, and that our hearts, minds, and souls would know that peace is found in your presence that mercy, that grace, that truth is found in your presence. Amen. And like I said, I think we can all agree that we've been in some form of season of weariness. Just look at what's been going on in politics, around the world. Our lives have been crazy. But in seasons of weariness, Jesus calls us to come to him. Whether it's a season of weariness, chaos, or hardship, Jesus says, come to me. The passage we're going to look at today is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The words and phrasing Jesus uses here is a call to action. There is something we have to do in this process. And yet the process of stepping into and learning how to rest is so difficult for our culture because we don't know how to do it. It's not modeled for us. Where we live in a culture that's go, 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 get, 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 not sit, rest, process. And I love how the book of Hebrews uses the word rest. See, in Hebrews, rest is not merely a stop of activity, but is reaching a goal of crucial importance. In Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely have fallen by that same sort of disobedience right there. Not wanting to rest. And yet both here in Matthew and Hebrews, we see that rest is a goal of crucial importance. And it is reached through the practice of Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is a fun word that we Christians love to throw around a lot. And some of us take it way too seriously. And some of us don't take it seriously enough. And so I think it's important for us to really sit and try to understand what the word and practices of Sabbath mean. So the first thing we need to know is that Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop, cease, or desist. It is literally a day to just stop. Stop what, you might ask? Stop working. Stop wanting. Stop worrying. In my opinion, I see Sabbath as a day to be still. Stillness of mind, body, and soul. But ultimately, the goal is to sit before God. It's to begin to understand that stopping is learning to surrender to God in Christ. So in other words, it's learning stillness before God. In the Old Testament, Sabbath was practiced one whole day a week. It was literally a day where the Jewish culture would stop what they were doing and sit and delight in the work that they had done, but also sit and rest in God's presence. And this is hard for our culture to even begin to grasp because we live in a 24-7 world, right? Even on our days off, we're like, how do I fill this? How do I get my kids to these games? How do I blah, 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 just chaos. And so to imagine a culture that is 24-6, we just can't fathom it. And it's understandable. I don't know your living situation. I don't know what your job is like. It's impossible, maybe, to implement a full day of rest in your schedule. Man, my son isn't even three months yet, and I know for sure it's impossible to implement a day of rest with him right now. But I want you to know that the Sabbath isn't just one day a week or a goal on the calendar. It is a way of being. Remember, the goal of the Sabbath is stopping to surrender to God in trust. 
which means that if you only have four hours a week to rest, rest with God. Sit in the healing nature of God. Allow yourself to process everything that's happened that week in those simple four hours. Now, trust me, I know the importance of work. Uh, Before I got married, people could classify me as a workaholic. My wife has definitely helped me not do that. But I also understand the importance of a Sabbath rest. But I do believe to understand Sabbath, we must understand what biblical work is. And this is different than our regular culture of work. See, biblical work is not a nine-to-five job. We may think it is, and it is kind of part of it, but it's not a nine-to-five job. And I love how Timothy Keller, a renowned pastor and author, defines work. He says that work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Which is basically saying whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, a college student, retired, or in the business world, you have a chance to make the world a better place. And that's why I truly believe that biblical work is the process of God using us to make the world a better place. Just like God did in Genesis 1 and 2. Literally, the first couple of pages of the Bible, we see God working. So work is important. And yet, on those same first couple of pages, we see the very first Sabbath in which God took. God doesn't need rest, but he took it to be our example. He wanted to show us that rest is of crucial importance, but work is also important. And so what I'm trying to say is that we need to have a positive work ethic anywhere we are because we are representation of Jesus. And wherever we are, whatever we work for, we have a chance to make that place better and more like the kingdom of God. But God also encourages us to rest. So now that we've said all that, here are some things you need to know about the Sabbath. First, the Sabbath is a day or time frame for no to-do lists. No to-do lists. The only goal on the Sabbath is sitting before God, being in his presence. And the beautiful thing about this very first thing is that in our culture, our worth is tied to what we do. But what this says is that when we can put aside everything that we do, we begin to understand that our worth doesn't come from what we produce or even who we hang out with or how we dress, how we look, anything like that. Our worth comes from who we are. But we can only know that if we take time to truly step back from what we're doing and sit in the presence of God. The Sabbath is a day when you don't have to accomplish anything. And you don't have to feel bad about it. I know I'm guilty of this. On days that I rest, I get anxious. I'm like, no, I should be doing something right now. Like, I should be reading. I should be doing this. And reading is great to do on the Sabbath, actually. But when it becomes a goal rather than a process of resting with God, that's when it's messed up. And yet, 
we all want to rest. We all want to find peace in this world, right? We don't want our souls to be in turmoil. And I love how John Mark Comer says this about how we don't have to feel bad about taking it. He says, we may ache for peace in this world, but many of our lifestyles are forms of violence to ourselves and those we love. Our busyness is destroying our peace, eliminating margin, and deeply affecting our bodies. We have to admit that we have a very unhealthy relationship with work and rest. No matter what age you are, this is the truth. And we must remember, as the Matthew 11 passage tells us, we need to come to God. We need to sit before Jesus because in Jesus, we find rest. We need to learn how to take time to find a way to do the Sabbath. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be harmful to the people around me, and I don't want to be harmful to myself. And so when we approach the Sabbath, you need to ask yourself two questions about anything that you are doing on the day of Sabbath. Is this rest or is this worship? Very simple. See, the Sabbath isn't just a day off. It's not just like, ah, you know what, we get to do whatever we want. No, you need to see if what you're doing is rest or worshiping God. But like I said, remember, the most important thing is remembrance of God. So with these two questions in mind, I believe there are five things five things that every Sabbath needs. The first is stop. Look at the Matthew 11 passage again. And we're just going to look at the first three words. It says, come to me. But in order to go to Jesus, you must first stop what you are doing. You have to be willing to say, no, I'm going I'm to stop this and I'm going to pursue Jesus. And in our busy lifestyle, I know for me, I love to stay busy. I love to accomplish things. I'm like, I'm just going to keep staying busy. I'm not sinning. I'm just busy, you know? But there's this classic saying that you probably will hear in church, or if you haven't heard it yet, great, this is your first time. It's if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll keep you busy. And why is this such a classic quote? Because when we stop, we are reminding ourselves to submit to God. But when we're busy, we're making ourselves our own God. See, stopping is a very humbling experience. Stopping is about giving up control and trust to God that he will continue to move things forward without you. And the harsh reality is that we're not as important as we think. But that harsh reality is one of the most freeing things we can admit to ourselves. Because if we can admit that to ourselves, we can find a way to rest. In fact, Jesus did a great job of demonstrating this for us. Look in the Gospels. Anytime Jesus did a miraculous thing, gave a miraculous sermon, he was like, peace out, I'm going to go rest. And he would go to lonely places and sit in the presence of God and just pray. He knew how to stop everything he was doing 
to go rest. See, this is drastically different than us because when we're on the roll of accomplishing things, we kind of just want to continue to accomplish them, right? We just want to keep scratching off the to-do list, keep going, keep going, keep going. But Jesus is like, man, I just did a sermon, praise God, I'm going to go spend time with God now. Completely opposite of our culture. And yet this is the beginning of what it takes to have a Sabbath. It is okay to stop and breathe for a second. It's okay to stop and, well, this isn't a great view right now, but it is still kind of beautiful in its own way. (laughs) But when we can learn to stop, we then learn how to enter into the second thing every Sabbath needs, which is, of course, rest. In that Matthew 11 passage, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does that look like for you? What would it mean to rest for you with Jesus? And here's the thing. I can tell you how I do it, and I will in a second, but you need to figure out what God made you uniquely for and how to find rest in those moments. Maybe you're an artist. While you're doing your art, invite God into it. Be like, God, I need your presence. I need to process what life is just going on. If you're a journaler, journal. For me, I love to read. I like grabbing a book and going and sitting out in nature somewhere and just resting with God. Another thing I like to do, I love going on walks, running. Uh, The most freeing thing that I find rest in, and this is kind of crazy, is rock climbing. Because there's something about being on the rock and looking around at nature that just reminds me to be still before God. It reminds me that he is in control of everything and I don't need to be. When we move into the presence of God and sit before him, we can find rest. And the goal of rest is a place of peace and stillness. I believe when you find what causes your body mind and soul to rest you will begin to learn how you process your pain your suffering just every struggle we have see sitting before god leads us into a presence of being willing to stop and truly think about our lives but we have to be fully present in it And that's why the third thing every Sabbath needs is to be present. Matthew 11 goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Almost everyone in here has been a student at one point in their life. And we all know you can't learn anything if you're not fully present. If your mind's somewhere else, you're not going to know anything the person says. But if we can learn to be fully present with Jesus, we can learn how to rest fully. And the truth is that real life happens in reality. And we can only experience reality if we are fully present. Learning the art of being fully present is lost in our culture. We have these things right here that we just love getting lost in. And not that phones are bad. This is not a message about technology being evil. No. But we are constantly planning our next move. Even when we're sitting having a great conversation with somebody, 
we can't concentrate enough on them without thinking about what we need to do. And yet when you truly sit back and look at your life and all the powerful moments that you've had, none of them are around a screen. None of them are around phones. Most of them are with the people you love being fully present. When you give somebody 100% of your focus and time, you can change their life forever because it is a lost art in our culture. I believe we should just begin to invite people into the fun things that we do on the Sabbath. Like invite somebody into going climbing. For Heidi, uh, it's worship. Inviting somebody into worship because every Sabbath needs a time of worship. And worship is so much more than just singing. It's a way of expressing how we're feeling before God. For me, on some days off, I'm about to be super honest with you guys, uh, Heidi and I will throw on music in our house and I'll grab our little baby and we'll just dance around. Because like I shared, we were trying for a family and to have that little baby boy, man, there's so much to worship. There's so much to be thankful for what God has done for us. And yet worship is so much more than just thankfulness. If you look at the Psalms, a classic example of what it means to worship, you see joyful songs, but you also see songs of mourning and hardship and struggle. See, on the Sabbath, our form of worship doesn't just need to look like raising our hands and thanking God. It can also look like being completely honest with him and being like, God, this sucks. And to be honest, God wants to be the author of your life, but he can only be the author of your life to the amount of time you allow him to be. You have to invite him into the process. Which leads us to our final element every Sabbath needs. Song's playing. Every Sabbath needs a form of delight. If you read the very last verse of Matthew 11, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of times we as Christians think that, goodness gracious, the burden of being a Christian is so heavy. No, it's not. It's light. Jesus provides us a way to delight in everything around us. That means go have fun on your Sabbath. Spend time with your family. Delight in who they are and who God made them to be. Delight in nature, even when it's pouring rain. Just enjoy it from inside. <laughs> and another thing to do on the Sabbath that I don't think we take enough time to do is whether you've had a bad day at work or week at work, sit back on your Sabbath and delight in the fact that you did work. You are more amazing than you think. The fact that you wake up every morning and go to work or you're a stay-at-home parent, you're amazing. Sit and delight in the fact that God has given you an opportunity to bring a little bit of heaven here on earth. When we observe the Sabbath, we affirm that God is the center of our lives. We can trust God to provide and care for us. And as I brought up earlier, the last couple of years, man, were difficult for me and my family, as they were for everyone in here. But man, I really wondered if I could trust God. But as I sought Jesus in my time of Sabbath, I began to realize 
that he was the one that was cranking in the windows. He was the one (laughs) getting me out of bed in those times. He was the one allowing me to rest even as I tried to fill my crazy schedule. And the reason for that is God never leaves us in our brokenness. He is always with us. Whatever you are struggling with, when you invite God into it, he wants to be a part of it. You are his child. He wants to walk with you through it. And the only way we can figure out how to do this is by taking time to Sabbath with him. See, the Sabbath helps us process the pains of reality. It helps our mind, body, and soul be at peace. Creekside Church, what would it look like if in the midst of the storms we were calm? What would it look like if instead of running from our pain, we sat and processed it with God? What if we didn't pass on our systems of unhealth to the next generation? What if instead we learned how to help them process everything that was going on in their lives? If we could truly do this, if we could truly do this when we were walking through the valley and the shadow of death, if we could know that our good shepherd is with us, we can change the world around us. But this journey has to start by stopping, by resting, by being fully present, by worshiping and delighting in the peace, forgiveness, and grace that is found in God. And maybe this morning, you are really needing some rest in God. Or you have never experienced a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, God is the place that we can experience freedom and true rest. Jesus is the one who came and died so that we can experience freedom from our sins, shame, and guilt. And so I want to have a moment of courage with you guys. So if you are here today, and you're like, goodness gracious, I need this rest. I know I do. I want you to raise your hand. If you need rest, if you need a Sabbath, just raise your hand. And with all our hands raised, I just want to pray for you. So God, as we head into the next part of our sermon, I pray that you would be with every hand raised. That their moment of courage would not just stop here, but it would continue in this week as they seek ways to find rest in you. That they can find ways for their souls, their minds, and their bodies to be fully present with you. Lord, I pray for every single person here that they can come to know who you are, who you have made them to be, and how they can spend time with you.